have is that before we uh, get into the message, uh, I would love for you to pray for me and pray for yourselves uh, because we do know, uh, you know, you're spending time on Sunday. And I know this is so easy for you to just kind of do something else, but you're taking this opportunity and you're choosing to be here this morning. And, and since you're here, since I'm here in the the worship team and all the AV people in the background, we're here together to, to worship God. Let's make sure that our hearts are right. Let's make sure that, that everything that we have, uh, you know, are putting a, put away all the distractions is what I'm trying to say and, and allow God to really penetrate us and speak to us this morning. So I'm going to give you like a quick 30 seconds. I know we just started, uh, you know, but, you know, sometimes things happen. So I'm going to do a quick 30 seconds where you can get your Bible, uh, get your communion stuff, uh, you know, get a, a coffee or tea or uh, milk or hot chocolate, whatever it is, that's your thing. And then, or even the bathroom break, 30 seconds, you know, and when to come back and when to pray and start the service and, and just go into the word of God. So, you know, I'm going to do a quick 30 second count inside of my head. And I know it's going to be awkward because I'm going to be sitting here, but do this right now. Get your Bible, uh, get your drink, go to the bathroom, uh, put your distractions away and, and just make sure that we're able to focus and uh, that we'll be praying. So I'm counting right now. So go ahead and do that, please. And uh, if you don't have anything to do, you're, you're like, I'm ready. Good job. Thank you for being so ready, having your Bible, having your communion stuff. And it's, it's a great thing. And we do pray that uh, every Sunday we come prepared to worship. And, and in fact, uh, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you just feel like, uh, what, what, what am I supposed to do? And I think it's the heart, you know, on Sundays, just before you get in and just before you serve and we're being a part of service, uh, just be ready to join and just kind of calm your heart and say, I'm here, God, you know, speak to me, use me, allow me to really concentrate on you. Because I, I think it's so easy uh, to be distracted uh, when you worship at home. Uh, but I, I think one of the beauty of our live stream is that you can't put us on pause and do something and come back. You kind of have to just be here with us. And I think this is about 30 seconds. Uh, so uh, we're going to pray now. And if you haven't uh, rushed back and join us yet, that's okay. We're praying for you. Uh, so uh, don't worry about that. So let's take a minute to pray for one another and just pray that God will come to your homes, to your hearts, and just say, speak to us. So let's let's take a minute to pray. Father God, we thank you again this morning that it's been a hundred plus days, but we're we're still here, God. We're we're here worshiping you uh, to the best of our ability. But God, you will take this heart and take our hearts and say that you accept this as a pleasing sacrifice, a pleasing offering, because you are a gracious God and you love us. And just pray that this morning you will speak to us. And really just help us to take away all the distractions, you know, and things that's happening in our lives around us, um, you know, just just help us to focus on you. And then we pray for those who are impacted by uh, the pandemic, the coronavirus and the forest fire. We pray for safety for those who are out there in the front line, whether in hospitals or firefighters or uh, all types of people. We pray for their safety, but most importantly, we pray for their uh, their spirituality, uh, uh, for their soul and just Pray that they know you and, and whatever they do, they have peace. And again, pray for all of us who are gathering here this morning. May you speak to us. May you be in our hearts and, and just really do your transformational work in all of us. And we thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as you know, we are uh, in the third part of uh, the Love This Book. And this morning, um, I'll be sharing from John chapter 6, verse 1 to 13. And I, I titled the sermon, Let Them Eat. 
And, and uh, this is a, a great story. I think most of us know this story already. And uh, so we, we won't waste time. So let's get into it. John 6. And so if you don't have a Bible, please get it. Oh, well, I hope you ha- have it right now. Uh, if you have your phone, I'm going to remind you again, it's very easy, very easy to be tempted to go somewhere else besides the Bible app and then the pop-ups and all these notifications. Just, you know, pray for that spirit and the power to resist clicking on those notes, right? And then jumping out of the Bible app. So let's turn to John chapter six. And if you have the paper Bible, it's, it's in the New Testament near the back of the Bible, uh, John chapter six, and we'll be reading from verse one to four first. And, and this is verse one. And, and this Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And, um, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the sign that he was doing on the sick. And, um, and Jesus went on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. And this is now the Passover, the feast of the Jews were at hand. And, and so John, the first four verses, you know, uh, chapter 6, verse, first four verses, it gives us the location. Uh, the, it's by the Sea of Galilee. And the people who were there, the who is that, that there were a large crowd of people gathering around them. And there was Jesus, there was the disciples, and they were all there. And this time, the setting was this is just before the Passover. And so, so John was trying to set out the story for us. And this story, some of you might know already, it's the feeding of 5,000. It's a very special story because it's the one of the only miracle. In fact, it is the only miracle that was recorded in all four Gospels. And, and so we have to kind of take that and say, well, this story is special. So let's pay attention to that. In Mark and Luke, it tells us that, that um, this event, this feeding of 5,000 has happened just uh, before this. Um, you know, what was happening was this is that uh, Jesus commissioned the 12 uh, to go into different towns and different places. Uh, you know, and, and so they're coming back now reporting to Jesus what had happened on their mission trip. So we know this story has a lot of background. So it's not just that sitting there, there's a lot of people gathering around, but we were told that the disciples went on the missions. They were sent out by Jesus and they're not coming back reporting what happened. And in, in, Mac, uh, in Mark, it tells us that the disciples were exhausted because they've been on mission. They've been working so hard. And they, in fact, they didn't have time to eat and tired and everything. So Jesus called them aside and said, let's go to the mountainside, which means like a hilly area. Let's, let's get away from the crowd. Let's get away from the busyness of ministry, of life, and let's kind of rest a little bit. And so that was kind of what's happened. And all four gospel also tells us that the, just before this returning of the disciples, what had happened was John the Baptist, a Jesus cousin, was beheaded. And, and so this is really, really sad news for Jesus because we know John the Baptist was a great guy. He he was the trailblazer. He started everything. And he was the, the guy that, that, you know, shouting for Jesus, preparing the way for Jesus kind of thing. And so in Matthew, we were actually told that when Jesus heard this news, he had to get away. You know, he had to really kind of reflect on that. So so he lost a loved one. And, and so Jesus was going away and just saying that, well, you know, like, I need some time to process. My disciples need some time to process. And, and so that was kind of like the backstory. And, and so so we know this is an amazing story. Uh, you know, about five fish, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish and how he was feeding like 5,000 people uh, or 5,000 men. And so some scholars were saying that this miracle is much bigger than what we used to imagine, which is about 5,000 people. Uh, they say, you know, if we calculate 5,000 men, according to the Jewish custom, they, they're able-bodied men, right? So anyone under 
I don't remember the age, uh, but whatever age group. And then so they did a calculation. Uh, you know, you have the woman there and the kids there. You know, they, they say it's anywhere from 10 to 25,000, depending on how you look at the situation. So you're looking about five to 25,000 people. So this is a huge miracle. And, and, and it's so crazy because basically from, from nothing, like two loaves of bread and two, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus was able to feed like five, 10, 15, 25,000 people. So that's a huge miracle. And another aspect of this is that, that we have to remember that meant they were five to 25,000 people that were witnesses to Jesus' power. So this is a grand, you know, miracle that Jesus performed. And, and so this is, this is huge, you know, and, and so we have to say, well, but what does this have to do with me today? Cause you know, like I have food, you know, like Jesus is not here. There's no, we haven't heard stories like this for a long time where hungry people gather and then somehow food appears. I mean, I don't remember the last time I heard this in real life in today, 21st century. And, and so we have to ask the question, how does this grand story that was recorded in all four gospels have to do with me today. And, and so this is what I want to do this morning is that we are going to go on a journey to say, well, what does it mean? You know, what are the details and how do they relate to me this morning and in challenges that I face and whatever it is I'm going through in my life. So let's get into it. Let's get into verse five. And this is what it said, lifting up his eyes. Then, and then this is Jesus, of course, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him. And I, I highlighted the word seeing because sometimes, you know, the Bible tells us about Jesus, especially in Matthew, you will see that Jesus will see something. And then there was always an action following that. And we know from the scripture that Jesus saw the crowd, the large crowd of people, and then he had compassion. And as a pastor, I see a lot of things too. And I'm sure you do too. You know, you see people at your work, you see people at home and, and your friends and all that stuff. I mean, so, so nowadays we don't travel as much. We don't get out as much, but when we see people, what do we see? And, and for me as a pastor, I'm guilty of this is that, that I see people, I see brokenness. And I was sharing with someone that when I was getting ordained, uh, one of the questions that they asked me about people and congregations, the people that I, I shepherd is this, is that, well, you know, what is your view towards them? And I say, they're just lost people. They're just, you know, I treat them like they're all lost. Uh, they don't believe and they lack faith. And, and, and so it sounded very jaded uh, and, you know, really sad in a way. But that was the reality I faced because I, when I, the more I serve the people, the more I recognize how broken they are. And, and, and so, so this is what happens. Like we see people and sometimes God allows you to see deeper into people and you recognize that everyone has a problem. Every family, every person, every individual has some sort of issue. They have sinful issues. They have skeletons in their closet. They have so many different things. But when we see them, our first reaction is very different than God's reaction. When I see broken people, I hesitate because I don't know how much time it's going to take for me to walk with them, to bring them to healing, to bring them to Jesus, to help them stand up again. You know, to be honest, as a pastor, sometimes I'd rather not know too much because the more I know, the more I need to care. 
And sometimes the reality is this, is that, that I prefer people that are all polished outside and they can just do things I ask them to do all perfect. And I don't have to worry about uh, their brokenness. And, uh, and so I want people that has less issues, less troubles, but that's not Jesus. When Jesus see the people, he see them as broken as well as we do. He sees it. In fact, he sees it even more clearly than we do. Because sometimes we're still, you know, being deceived by the facade people put out. But Jesus sees the heart. And when Jesus sees them, he, he sees the brokenness. And then he has compassion towards them. You know, and, and so Jesus was so crazy. He saw them. And, and so he, he's saying that, hey, you know, like I, I see them. And, and here's the thing. They have this need. And what is this need? They're hungry. And we know from the other Gospels that, that they are just a huge crowd gathered without them. They want miracles. Jesus is doing healing. And he was teaching them. And, you know, the time just flies when things are going well, right? And then just, you know, all things were happening. And, and, and so, so, in fact, we were told it was the disciples who were saying, like, hey, Jesus, by the way, there are a lot of people here. We should think about sending them away because, you know, it's just impossible to find shelter and, and food and all that stuff. And, and, and so... So this is the interesting part, you know, like when we see problems, when we see broken people, we sometimes just say, you know, I, I can't do it. You know, God, I, it's just too much. You know, like, I, let's wash my hand on this. I, you know, I'm going to give it to someone else. I'm going to run away. You know, I don't want to deal with it, but not Jesus. Jesus turned around and said to Philip here, he says that where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? So Jesus saw the need and he said, well, you know what, instead of like trying to have someone else solve this problem, we're going to solve it. In fact, you are going to solve it. And that's the crazy part, right? It's that sometimes this is what happened in our life, in our ministry, is that God will ask us to do something that is just crazy. Like you're looking at, there's no other way to look at this. Jesus is asking Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, I don't know if Jesus, Jesus recognized this. There were literally five to 25,000 people out out there, uh, you know, hungry, you know, tired after a long day following Jesus, you know, like looking at miracles and listening. And, 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 you know, so, so that's a lot of people, you know, I think, I think having coming back from the missions trip, I think they could handle one-on-one -on -one conversions or like maybe a hundred people who are hungry and they can find food for them. Right. And, and so, so that wouldn't be an issue, but somehow Jesus decided to challenge them and tell them that here, there are 5,000 people here or 5,000 men here. I want you to help me find food so that they can eat. And, and, and you might feel this way right now, is that God has given you this prompting inside of your heart during this pandemic, that he wants you to serve someone or forgive someone or love someone or sacrifice something in your life. And you're like, well, God, you know, this is a little bit crazy because, you know, it's the pandemic, you know, everything is just kind of crazy right now. Like you were asking me to do this now. Like, I don't think I can, God, you know, and, and, and so this is the reality of a Christian life is that sometimes, you know, God will ask the faithful to do something impossible, something crazy, something so challenging that you're going to go like, that's no, no, thank you. Right. And, and I, I find that interesting that God asked Philip, Jesus was saying to Philip that, that where are we going to buy bread? And you might say, well, why Philip? Well, we know from the, the other gospels, it's not just Philip, but the, the disciples were all there. But in John, John wanted to bring a point here is that Jesus was talking to Philip here. 
And it was a very specific question. It says, where are we to buy bread? And so a lot of commentators mentioned this, is that Philip, the reason why Jesus asked Philip was because Philip was a local. Like he knew where to buy food. So that question actually makes a lot of sense. It's uh, where do we buy food? Literally, like where do we go? Because, you know, you know the place here. Like if, if you were to ask me today where to get food in Vancouver, I would know exactly what to send you because I'm from Vancouver. But if you were to ask, let's say, Pastor Dean, like, hey, Pastor Dean, I want to go to Vancouver. I mean, we can't go now. But you were asking Pastor Dean, you know, where do we get food, uh, you know, in, in Vancouver? He wouldn't know because he's not from there. And if you were to ask Pastor Yuji where to get food in Utah, where his parents live, he would tell you where. So, so Jesus was asking Philip because Philip knew the place well. And it seemed like a question that's reasonable to ask because that's where Philip is from. And sometimes I think God does that with us. See, God doesn't really ask us to do something so crazy that we have no idea what to do in a sense, right? It, it, it's according to our gifting, our, our experiences. And, and God's like, hey, by the way, I think, you know, you can do this. I think I want you to do this. I think you have the ability to do something with me, right? And, and so I, I love that. Jesus turned to Philip and, of course, the other disciples as well. And, and so, and there's also another reason which we will mention why Jesus asked Philip to do this. And, and one of the crazy things is this is that, that sometimes we, 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 we are asked by God to do something. And uh, we just, you know, we take it upon ourselves to do it well. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. But here goes the next verse, which I, I, I love this part in verse 6. It says that, that he said this to test him. And that, that is a crazy word right there, okay? Now, a lot of people say hindsight's 2020, and which means that, that things happen, and then you look back and say, ah, that's why, right? And as a Christian, I have a lot of those moments as well where God will call me to do something, and then I look back and I say, well, God was right, and I was wrong. Like, I thought I couldn't do it, but in fact, I did do it, and so God was, you know, he knew exactly what he was doing. And, and so so here it's saying this is that when Jesus asked Philip and asked the disciples about feeding, right, it was a test. And, and so this is the thing. If Philip knew it was a test, then I think he might approach the entire uh, subject a little more differently. And, and so the reality for us is this, is that you might think something that's happening to you right now has no purpose and no meaning. It's just a weird ask from God. But the reality is this, is that whatever challenges or crazy ideas that God has placed in you, that he wants you to do, to sacrifice, to give and to love and to forgive and, and things like that. And in, in this difficult time, there was a reason. It, was, it, it is a test. It is a test of our faith to see what we really believe and how we believe. Because sometimes we have to recognize, we always say we love Jesus, we will do whatever he wants us to do. But the reality is this, is that when sometimes God gives us a task so impossible, so crazy, and we're like, I don't know if I can do that, God. And we have reservations. We, we keep a, a little bit to ourselves. You know, when God wants us to sacrifice, we're asking ourselves, can I really sacrifice? And when we, when we claim to love him so much that we'll do anything, he calls you on a mission. Would you go on a mission? Would you do that? Because that's the reality, isn't it? And I remember I went on a mission trip to Mexico and we have all these talks about bathrooms and, and, and things like that. And I know it's kind of a weird topic, but recently, I, you know, I, we, we, 
you know, I hear this person who's like, I refuse to, you know, go outside and go to a place where there's like really bath sanitary bathrooms and showers and all that stuff, you know, and what if, what if God calls you to mission, you know, and you say, I love Jesus. And God's like, well, guess what? I'm going to send you to the place with no bathroom. Would you go? And sometimes that is exactly it, that God will place challenging things in our lives, challenging and crazy calls in our lives to test us, to see if we really love him as much as we claim to be. And that's, that's, that's hindsight's 2020. I mean, if I knew some of the things that I knew, that, if, that whatever I'm going through, it's a test, I think I would do my best to finish that. And, and, and here's the thing. Now, while you and I might not know what will happen if we go on this journey of faith with God, you know, doing the things that he wants us to do and sacrifice the way he wants us to sacrifice, we might not know what will happen. Here's an assurance from God. It says this is that that he said to, to test Philip that to feed these people. But for he himself, Jesus himself, knew what he would do. And that is to say this is that, you and I might not know the ending of the challenges and the, the crazy things that God is asking us to do, but God does. He knows exactly what's going to happen, whether it will be a failure or a success, whether we'll, you know, we'll do the 5,000 or 10,000 or 25,000. He knows. He knew exactly what would happen. We, we just don't. We don't, right? But we do know that he knows what will happen, and we do know there is a promise. In Romans, it says this, and I love this promise, but all things will work out good for those who love him. And I think that's one of the things I want to assure you this morning, that sometimes when God calls us to do something so grand, so impossible, so crazy to you, to your family, to those around you, it's a test. And he knows the ending. And in the end, your faith, my faith, the faith around us, the people around us will all be blessed. Because we were obedient to his call. Because he knew and he knows exactly how everything's going to turn out. And I love that. And let's keep going. And says so this is that um, Philip answered him. Okay. This is the why Philip, you know, kind of just come back to Philip. It says that 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get just a little bit. And in fact, there's a translation that says uh, to get a bite, you know? And so, you know, being, you know, <laughs> Asian, I guess I, I did the calculation when I saw 200 denarius and, and I'm like, well, so how much money is that? Right. And some of you might know this a denarius is a, a day's wage. And so if you do a calculation, a quick calculation, then you will know that, you know, if you use the Bay area average, um, you know, it's about, you know, 100K a year. Let's say that's, you know, that's the case, you know, $100,000 a year. And uh, you divide by three, 365 days a year, then you get about 273.972603 per day. That's the money uh, that you earn per day. And then so you times it by 200 days, then you get $54,794.52. And that's exact amount of, you know, if you do 100K. So that sounds like a lot of money. But the reality is this, is that if I take that money and I go and buy like Subway, you know, they have that $5 foot long a long time ago. I don't know if they still have that. But if you were to go to Subway and, and spend that 55K, well, 54, 794.52 for those of you who are exact. If you spend that money and get, get the $5 foot long, you'll get about 11,000 foot longs. And um, 
uh, sorry, not, not 11,000 foot longs. Uh, yeah, 11,000 foot longs. Um, and, and so that means, you know, everybody gets six inches, then maybe about 22,000 people will get to, you know, get that food. It's not too bad. But the reality is this is that, that that's a lot of money. Like, first of all, who has 55K laying around to buy bread for everyone else to eat, right? And, and, and certainly not the disciples, because we know they were following Jesus, you know. In fact, Jesus told them that to, when they go into towns, don't bring anything and don't take anything away. Just go and just enjoy and do your ministry. God will provide. So 200 denarii was a lot of money. And, and so Philip was saying that, that, by the way, I did a calculation. It's just not possible. And, and, and I think that's why Jesus asked Philip, because sometimes God wants us to realize something. This is that no matter how hard we try to do what he wants us to do, even in our place of gifting and area of strength, it will never be enough to accomplish what he sets out for us to do. And, and, and there is a lesson in that because sometimes when we do ministry, we tend to think we're somebody, that we can fix it, we can do it. And, and, and what happened in the end is that, that you realize that I cannot do it. I need Jesus. And, and so this is almost like a humble pie that Jesus was feeding Philip. Because maybe perhaps the, the 12 disciples were very excited about their missions and they feel like they're somebody. Because I know I've done that in my ministry where I feel like I accomplished something. And, and so therefore I'm able to replicate that and then do successful ministry somewhere else. And then and I'm reminded even here in Hawk 5 that what I have in me pales in the comparison of what God wants me to do. And sometimes that's really disheartening and, and depressing to understand and to realize that you are just not as good as you think you are and that you can't do the things that you want to do or you feel like God is calling you to do. But I, I'm glad the story doesn't end here because, you know, we do know in the end, Philip was able to partner with God and be a part of that feeding of 5,000 men where 25,000 people or 15,000 people. So, so that's, that's the great thing that you still will have this great result. But sometimes we are reminded of the limits of our ability. And it's okay because Jesus did not get mad at Philip for being limited, being unable to provide. Because that was not the point, was it? It was a test. It was a test of Philip's and, and disciples' faith in him. And so... So, you know, here we go. There's that another disciples came and Andrew, you know, he was there. Andrew's a great guy. You know, we have this type of people in our lives. He's a, a great ministry partner, always eager to help. And then so he's like, well, I hear this thing. We need help. So let me find help. So he went around and he said, you know, the Bible tells us that, that he found this boy. Right. And, and just say, well, here, help us we need some food to feed the people and then he's like well here's a boy let's let's talk to this guy so he's not that person that goes around and say well i'm gonna solve this how do we solve this we're gonna involve everybody we're gonna get this and get that and it's great andrew is doing that and he found this boy but but and then this boy and it's what a surprise he has food you know and andrew was so excited he's like well you got food and how much food Five barley loaves and two fish. Now, a, a lot of people talk about, you know, like how big is the loaf and, you know, how was the loaf and the fish and all that stuff. But I, I just want to bring the attention to it was a boy. So I think the food, no, no matter the size, wasn't that big, right? So it's just enough for a boy, basically. Now, some people say, well, you know, Jewish custom, the, the boy might be, well, I don't know how old he was. But, but the reality is it's just enough for one person. And we know that because... When Andrew, through all this excitement, he's like, you know, I found this boy, I found the fish, I found the bread, let's do this, right? And then there's a reality check. He's like, but what are they for so many? You know, 
Yes, Jesus, we have people who's willing to do this. Okay, sometimes that's us, right? God called us to be the recruiter, to share that vision to people around us and say, man, this is what God wants us to do. Let's do this. And then you find one or two people who are responding and you're excited. And then you sat down and you start calculating, my goodness, two people out of 150 people, 10 people out of uh, 1,200 people, whatever it is, you know, and you say, we just can't do this, you know? Like we need it way more than the five loaves of bread and two fish. What a day when it comes to so many people and so many needs. And, and so that's a reality check again. But, you know, the story again doesn't end there. It goes on and it's almost like Jesus didn't hear them. So Jesus said to them, have the people sit down. And there were a lot of grass and then so grass. And then so they, they all sat down, you know, and I love this, you know, like, like he's like, tell them to sit down. And they're okay, let's get them sitting down. And then so, so the men sat down and then, and, and so they counted like, well, this is about 5,000 men. And so, so that's so crazy. So we, again, we're affirmed here again, that there were a lot of people and the disciples were not crazy in thinking that $200, I mean, 200 denarius is not going to work. 55 grand, not going to work. Five loaves of bread and two fish, not going to work. Because when we sit down, we see the magnitude, the multitude of people and their needs. Our first instinct is like, wow, this is, there's no way this is happening, you know? And, and so, again, there's that reminder how limited we are in terms of what God's called us to do. The big, crazy thing that God's placed in your heart. And, and so, so what do we do, you know? And this is the very important part. We got to follow up on this, pay attention. If you have your Bible, highlight these words, okay? First, it says that Jesus then took the loaves, okay? And so so it, it's interesting because Jesus took what was given to him. He got whatever was, you know, from the disciples, the boy, whatever it is, you know, and he took them, you know? And I love that because sometimes we feel like what we have to offer, they're so small, so insignificant that no way God can use this. Now, Jesus didn't look at the, the bread and the, the fish and say, man, that's too little. There's no way. He, he, he looked at that and he says, well, I'm going to use these. Okay, I'm going to take them and use them. So however small you might think you're offering, your, your ability is compared to what God is asking you to do. Take heart in this, that God will still use it. God will take it in. In fact, I, I was reminded of the story of the widow of the two coins. You know, Jesus loved that. He was like, this is the way you offer, not the amount of money that you give away, but your heart and desire, your dependence, your willingness. And, and so I'm reminded that, that when God asks us to do the impossible, the crazy things in our life, to, to love generously, to give generously, to forgive and embrace and, and loving our enemies and, and serving during COVID and going out and, and deliver grocery and all these sharing the gospel or going to Santa Cruz and help with the, the cleanup or to give sacrificially to extend uh, that you have nothing left to support mission, to support the people in need. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, however small that you might think that you have, God is willing and loving it because he cares about your heart and your desire to do this. And so, so don't be afraid to say, God, this is all I have. I don't have much. I know you want me to do something, but this is all I got. That God will take it. And, and as a leader, this reminds me that sometimes we do overlook the people who have less giftings or less visible giftings. 
who might not be as wealthy or as strong, as educated. See, Jesus never discriminated against that. He sees the heart. He cares about the heart and he's going to take it in. Whatever you offer, he will take it as a pleasing sacrifice and offering to him. And the second thing is this, that he, he took these bread, right? And then he gave thanks. You know, he prayed. He said that, that I will take whatever you have. I want to thank God because you are willing to do this. I'm going to thank God because God is going to do something so crazy, okay, with these bread and these fish. You give thanks. And I'm reminded here that when God asks us to do the impossible, to share the gospel, to do all these things, again, that's whatever it is that God is placing in you. Prayer matters. Don't just go in based on your ability, because that's what Philip was doing. That was what Andrew was doing. They were like, man, let's let's do this. Let's do the calculation. Let's go around and recruit people. I, I was curious to read that they were no prayer. But Jesus took this and he said, I'm going to take these in. I'm going to pray because ultimately God is the one that will do the miracle. Not you, not me. We can't do it. We know that. We had a reality check. We can't feed the 5,000, the 25,000, whatever it is. And, and Jesus prayed and he, he just gave thanks. And, and, and we have to be remind, reminded that without prayer, nothing really works. And, and, and sometimes this is a reality that we pray without the heart. So I want to challenge you this morning too. You might say, I've been praying a lot about the things that God wants me to do, but I just feel like it's not possible. Pray with heart. Pray with that sincere heart. Because sometimes we pray as a routine. Sometimes we pray just because we know we are supposed to pray. And I'm guilty of that. And I I think a lot of leaders, especially pastors, we do this because we know prayer is our job. We know we are to pray. But sometimes it becomes this formula becomes this routine in our lives where we just say things that we don't even mean. We don't even know what we're saying anymore sometimes. Sometimes I do that. Like people ask me to pray and my mind might be thinking about something else. I can still say a prayer because I, I know what to say. But here I'm reminded that if we want things to work, the crazy thing that God asks us to do, we really must pray with a sincere heart and saying that God do something. I know you will do something because this is your call This is what you want me to do. And this is my faith in you, that you will provide for the people through whatever it is I'm giving you. And it goes on to say this is that that when Jesus prayed, he then what? Distributed. He gave them away. In the other gospels, we were told that the distribution was not a normal distribution because he basically take the bread and give it to uh, all these disciples, right? And then say, you guys pass it out. So one row by row, they give out the food. And so I am thinking if I were the disciples, my goodness, what is happening here? Because it seems like Jesus could have just said, be filled and they're all full and or say, have fish and, and, and bread in your hands and everyone will get fish and, and bread or maybe even steak, like steak for you, steak for you. And everyone gets steak kind of thing. But he didn't do that. He distributed the food. And this is for me. I think one of the key things is that God wants us to partner with him. And that's why he called us. That's why he gave us all these crazy ideas. It's, so that, it's not that we can solve it, but because but, but to, so that we and him together can solve this. So God partnered, Jesus took the, the, the bread and, the, and he just kind of break them. And he prayed and gave them to the disciples and everyone was giving all these things. And, and, and so, so here's the third point is that I think God really wants us to partner with him 
not for our uh, for his benefits but for our benefits he wants us to experience him because imagine this with me right they're taking this bread they knew exactly how many loaves of bread and how many fish they had but somehow as jesus handing them out they're like wait that's not right. I mean, it's only five loaves, man. This is keep going and going. Like, where is he getting this? Like, there's just bread and bread and bread and bread. And it's like, wow, what's going on? Like, I'm wondering, like, like what were they thinking here as they received them? They're like, what is going on? They're going through this miracle themselves with God. And the second thing was this is that I wonder if the bread tasted good. Because I know that the cycle in John uh, chapter uh, one, we know that, that, you know, Jesus turned water into wine kind of thing. And so that was uh, not one, but whatever chapter, uh, Jesus turned water into wine. In fact, that wine was so good. People were like, this is the best wine. Why did you save it for the last? So I wonder if the fish and the bread tasted amazing too. Like anything better than anything else you tasted in the world. But, but again, just, you know, this is what God wants. He wants to partner with us. He wants us to experience the greatness of who he is. You know, in Matthew 28, it says, Oh, power and authority has been given to me. And now go do this. Make disciples of all nations. And I think this is a reminder for all of us. is whatever God has called us to do, right? He wants us to partner with him. And we're not alone. And he knew that we can't do it. So don't fret if you feel helpless. We're so small compared to what God is calling you to do. And allow him to really take charge and allow him to do that. And, and of course, you know, he did the same with the fish. So uh, verse, it goes on. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And, and, and that's reminder for me in saying this is that, my goodness, you know, it's not just a one-off lucky incident. This is something that God can do time and time again. In fact, we know there's a feeding of 4,000 later as well. So God will continue to do miracles in our lives if we are willing to do, do this. And, and, and so they got as much as they wanted to. So, so this is, again, not a, a small miracle. Like God multiplies. You know, he took whatever it is there and then he said, you know, I'm going to pray, give thanks. I'm going to break it apart. I'm going to, and everyone's going to get some, in fact, not just some, whatever they want until they're full. And this sounds like a buffet to me. So I think buffet was not invented by Chinese people. It's probably by Jesus. He was like, everyone gets whatever you want. All you can eat. In fact, we were told that they were leftovers from five loaves of bread and two fish. Somehow there's so much leftovers. They counted 12 baskets of leftovers. That's a crazy amount. And, and, and so, so when I read this, I want you to kind of follow with me. I want you to kind of circle the 12 baskets, especially the word basket. Where did they get that basket? You know, like it's almost like someone knew what was going to happen. And someone did, right? In verse 6, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. I would not be surprised the 12 baskets were set out there by Jesus already. You know, like somehow he's like, hey, you know what? I can do the fish. I can do the, the bread. 12 baskets, you know, here's the basket. Go and get them foods, the leftovers. And, and here's what I think is so amazing that whatever God is calling you and I to do during this pandemic, during the forest fire, all these chaos in the world might seem like impossible but the reality is this, is that if we're willing to take whatever we have and partner with God to do this, great things will happen. In fact, it will blow your mind that after Matthew will look back and say, how is this possible? And that's a reality for me as well. 
You know, I remember when I left my last ministry, I knew that God was calling me to a different ministry. And I just wanted to work in a small church. I, I feel like it's intimate, it's easier. And then and, and so different churches approach me and I have the opportunity to to interview. And and, and and so coming in, I was like, wow, this is, you know, Hawk Five is a big church. You know, I grew up in a big church and, and Hawk Five is a big church. I, I know there's problems, but I felt that I was ready to take on this, this challenge that God's placed in my heart. The past three years wasn't easy, you know, the learning, the culture here in this church and, and being faithful to what God wants me to do. And, you know, just, you know, clashing with people because my personality somehow in this church is quite different than what I used to be. And, and so it, it has been hard, but I can't say without this, this mindset that knowing what I know now, that I do believe that somehow God can use me and turn whatever I offer to him into a blessing to Hawk 5. And that's a reality for you as well, that you might not know this, but God will take whatever it is that you're willing to give to him, and he's going to pray on it, he's going to distribute it, and he's going to multiply it. So many people will be blessed because of your willingness to do this. And this is a crazy thing, you know. It wasn't just, you know, from the sky that Jesus provided the food. It was from the five barley loaves. And, and so I want to be reminded that if you do this, if you're doing whatever God calls you to do by yourself, nothing's going to happen. You just don't have enough. I don't have enough to do what God calls me to do. And if you are able to recruit a few people and say, let's do this together, guess what? It's still not going to be enough. Like Andrew, like the boy, like Philip, like 12 disciples. The reality is this. It has to be Jesus with us. Then he can multiply. Then things will work. So don't ever leave Jesus out of that equation because he is God and only he can do this.